All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Non-Victim Nation podcast. I am here today with Christina Calderon. Did I say that right? That's me. Okay. Um, Who, this is probably the most interesting uh, interview that I've done, only because you and I have never met face-to-face before. Correct. So, I mean, we met through jujitsu of all things, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is interesting. And it was funny because you brought up Alex just a little bit ago, who's actually been on the podcast twice now. In fact, when I first, uh, the first episode that I did with an actual interview was Alex. So, yeah, we've had oh, like, love that. really good success um, with having him back on more than once. And then I also interviewed his wife, Amy. I love her yeah, she's so wonderful. much. She's such a badass and she's hilarious. Yes, she is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's how I kind of uh, became acquainted with you initially. Um, I've just been, you and I have been friends like on Facebook for quite a while. And I've, I've watched a lot of the posts and things that you put up. Um, as far as like the real estate stuff and but more specifically about like your jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that you do a lot of like charity work and things like that, that with different organizations. Um, so that's what kind of has always kind of had my attention. It's like you do a lot of really positive things, not just for you, but in the community. Aww. And I think that's wonderful. So I definitely wanted to have you on the show. That way I could like learn more about you and more about what you do. Thank so you. Um, prior to us starting, you had talked a little bit about um, you got started into jujitsu because you wanted to have a better base of like self-defense, being able to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. And so you've been doing that for how long now? So I started, I mean, I had always had a love for martial arts yeah. and, you know, I was just that kid that uh, growing up, I was such a tomboy and I, and the other girls wanted to, you know, play princess and Barbies. I wanted to be a ninja. And nice. so it was just uh, right up my alley with Bruce Lee movies young. And then, you know, I did get to a place in life where you know, I had some bad things happen to me and, you know, several times. And I finally one day was like, I'm never going to get my ass kicked again. I'm never going to get hurt again. And I made a decision that day um, that I was going to start martial arts. I, I was just going to go find a gym and do it. And well, I never did it. Like I just, I didn't know where to start, you know? Um, right. And so it all seemed just so overwhelming because I was dealing with a lot of anxiety at that time anyway. So even just to pick up the phone and call somewhere mm-hmm. to ask questions was scary to me. And so I just happened to win a, and this is like, I feel like, but when you put things out in the universe and, right. you know, God knows you need it, like he will put it there in your life, um, right in front of you, handed to you sometimes. <laughs> and so I won a membership, a one month membership oh, to nice. a gym. Mm-hmm. And this was about 14 years ago. And so I went for my first free, you know, class. I started my first free month and I was actually too scared to do jujitsu. So, um, I started striking I started boxing and I fell in love with it. And then I went to kickboxing and I fell in love with that. Mm -hmm. I was the weirdo though. Like I had this weird thing about feet, like bare feet. And so I was like the weird one with the shoes on in the kickboxing class. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. And then, um, but I would sit and I would, I would watch jujitsu longingly over the rail, you know, and like, oh my gosh, it looks like so much fun. Yeah. And the kickboxing instructor happened to teach the jujitsu class as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, is actually is a Josh Hinger. And so he's like multi world champion now. And he was just a brown belt at that time. But, um, 
he talked me into doing a private for jujitsu. And this is about six months in and I did it and I fell in love. I, I had so much fun. He made it so much fun right. that I, I just laughed the entire time. And I still do that. I, whenever I train, I talk so much shit and I laugh the entire time I roll. Right. It is just so fun to me. And if it weren't free and handed to me and fun, I mm. wouldn't have done it. So in me teaching the classes that I teach, those are the fundamentals. I always keep it free. Right. I always keep it fun mm -hmm. and I always, you know, keep it really, of course, they're learning crucial skills that they need to learn, but I just want to make it as easy as possible for somebody to have the resources that they may need to save their lives. And so I don't know. Yeah. But if it weren't fun, I wouldn't have done it. Right. You know, and probably continue to do it because it's an emo emotional journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just recently saw a post that you made. There's a upcoming event that's, it's a free event with another person. Yeah. Valerie Lovio. So yeah. she's awesome. Beautiful. Badass. Just mm -hmm. came into real estate as well. Oh, nice. And, um, I, you know what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So jujitsu athletes make phenomenal agents. Actually, they just make, uh, especially competitive ones, mm -hmm. you know, because you, you know how to hustle. Right. And you know what it feels like to lose. And sometimes you do, you know, starting out your journey. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. January 20th um, from 2 to 4 p.m. at Peloton BJJ, which is the gym that I train out of. Nice. And then we're going to do a free kids one as well on February 3rd. Oh, right on. That's really cool. Um, so how often do you do those sort of courses? This is my third one. So about two a year, two women's and two kids is what we want to shoot for. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. uh, and then like, I've seen other, uh, I'm not sure if they're charity organizations or other things that you work with also. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk more about those or? Yeah, sure. So I, I know I do so much charity and it's so fun, but I am a member of crew, which is commercial real estate women and I'm on the golf committee. And so that is a phenomenal organization, um, that helps women come into commercial real estate because it definitely is a scary world and it's, you know, a man's world and, and that's okay. Um, I find that the men in commercial actually are amazing. They're so helpful. Um, but it can be daunting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that really gives a lot of resources to women who are, they want to make the jump, but they don't know how. Right. And then I am PTO president of my kid's school. And so that one is uh, actually, I'm not even going to lie. I said no to that one twice. Um, when they asked, because I just wasn't sure if I could do it. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, this last year has been really pushing me out of my comfort zone. And um, I wasn't sure if I was ready for that leadership role, to tell you the truth. I wasn't sure if I could do it. I was afraid of letting people down. And, you know, if it took the principal and vice principal um, really saying, we know you can do it. You know, you've got this, you've done this for a long time and, and we need you. And right. so I said, okay, I'll do it. And, um, I was terrified and, but I just found a really great team mm -hmm. and learned how to delegate. And we've raised a lot of money, you know, for that and a lot of money for crew. 
Uh, we have a golf tournament coming up, so that'll be really fun. Excited for that. Yeah. And what else? Uh, yeah, a lot of just free jujitsu. Um, actually, we are so Palaton BJJ is really going towards being the first philanthropic. Uh -huh. It's a hard word to say gym. Okay. And so we will do like sliding scale um, for for people who are in hardship, you know, mm -hmm. giving scholarships and and such for people who want to get started in jujitsu, but don't quite have the means to do it. Right. So I think it's one of the neatest ideas that I've ever seen in my entire life. And so we'll do some fundraising for that. And I'll probably donate a portion of my commission to that cause because I just think it's right. really neat. Sounds like a really good thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's great that you practice jujitsu. Um, I know a lot of women in, uh, talk to a number of them that are in real estate and that have had some pretty sketchy situations. Mm -hmm. um, so having that on your side is probably a really good thing. Yeah. Uh, have you ever encountered anything like that? I have uh, a couple times. And so, you know, when you're an agent, mm -hmm. one of the things that I love the most about it, one of the things that pieces of advice that somebody gave me in the beginning of my career was that, you could always say no. Right. You know, if you ever felt uncomfortable, don't be afraid to say no. So now I am pretty selective about who I work with. Mm -hmm. Um, I just know everyone, you know, I like to go by referral only. I like to, I like that relationship. Mm -hmm. The scary part comes in open, open houses okay. because sometimes you are at an open house and you don't have control over who comes in and out. Mm -hmm. And so I'm finding, um, you know, I, if you have a buyer and you're showing them houses, I've always had them talk to a lender. I have their information. I have usually a picture of their ID, their social security number. Right. You know, I feel really safe. I've never had a problem in that situation, right. but it is in strange people coming into an open house and I've had right. it twice. Um, and so the first time, you know, he was just very close to me, um, following me up the stairs. And so, I actually took a class after that, mm -hmm. um, and there was a woman that had, had gotten raped um, right about the same time, and so some law enforcement put on a, a free class, and I took that one, and it inspired me. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want to do more of these, and I, yeah. I, I took a few of them um, that were based like specifically on complications that you can come into in real estate because I was a new agent and I just, nobody really teaches you this stuff. They don't right. sit you down when you first get into real estate and tell you, you know, all these things, you kind of, you see them and you feel them. And then like, this is a big problem. Um, and so recently I had somebody come in, uh, he saw me putting out my signs and followed me into the house and um, stayed the entire time. And, yeah. uh, I actually ended up texting my broker who lived not too far away and he came and saw the house because this is a big guy. And, you know, there comes a time where you have to make a decision as to, do you think you can really safely take this person? Mm -hmm. Is it worth the chance or do you call for backup? Right. And so I highly recommend that whenever you can call for backup, 
Yes. Always do. Um, so, you know, that's something that I teach in the classes. I have done a realtor focused class on um, protecting yourself in those types of situations. And, you know, it's kind of the hard stuff that you have to talk about too, is also, you know, something that nobody ever talks about is if you get to that position or that place where he is bigger than you and stronger than you, and you are in a place where you cannot get help. How bad do you want your life? Is it worth fighting for, or is it worth, you know, giving in and you have to get to a place inside where you are okay with making that decision right? or fighting and, and, you know, chancing what could happen after that. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, there's no easy answer to any of it. Yeah. It is so, it's also so much different to teach, you know, um, than when you're in the middle of it. And so right. that's the number one thing. I, I, the number one question I get asked is, what is the best weapon to protect yourself as a woman? Mm-hmm. And my answer is the one that you will use repeatedly, the right. one that you will practice with. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a firearm, you better know how to use it. You better be weekly going to the range and pulling that thing out and, you know, practicing until you know that weapon, sleeping with that thing, mm-hmm. until you know it so well, you have a love affair with that gun because it will be your saving grace. But only if you can, you know, muscle memory, auto pull that thing out and be able to use it mm-hmm. when you're scared, when you're shaking, when you, your brain shuts off because the adrenaline just hits you like crazy and wipes your memory. And you're like, you know, your IQ drops like 40 points because right. I, I mean, you don't know what that feels like until you've been in that position and you can't even imagine it. Right. And so you know, if, if you're going to carry a knife, like, well, can you open it when you're shaking, you know, and that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. So there's no easy answer for that either. It's just the one you were going to use and practice with. Yeah. So the facility here, Tech Hub, um, since you had never been here before, basically what this place is, is it's a training facility for people who have their own individual companies. So somebody that teaches, uh, like stop the bleed classes, somebody that teaches night vision courses, um, you know, room clearing. Uh, they also do like personal defense classes, things like that. So one of the classes that I actually got to help with is was a personal self-defense class for, and it was all women. And part of what they do through that is they ha- they do like a lot of like classroom stuff. They talk about a lot of uh, important things like situational awareness, you know, um, just a lot of different things they cover, right? They they kind of like watch some videos and they analyze and say, what could this person be doing? You know, a lot of that. And then they do scenario-based training. So they'll do something where uh, the, the women will have like a, a concealed carry firearm, right? And they'll have somebody that's like they're, uh, the scenario will be that they're pumping gas in the car, right? And somebody is coming up and being aggressive or being whatever. Um, and then they have to make decisions, you know? you know, how do you deal with that? Do you draw the firearm? Do you shoot? That sort of thing. They'll do another situation where um, the, the two people will stand roughly about 20 feet apart, right? And the bad guy just runs straight at the woman. And she has to, as fast as she can, draw that firearm and be able to shoot, mm-hmm. you know, without panicking and actually, you know, not getting hit by the person or attacked. So they do a lot of those scenarios 
to give them a sort of inoculation to those things. It's like you're saying, without that, if you've never been in that situation, you don't know how you're actually going mm-hmm. to react. It's one thing to to kind of mentally articulate that in your head of like how it should go. Yeah. But the actual follow through is not always the same thing. Right. So I think that those of all the things that they teach here, those types of scenarios that puts you in a simulated situation where you actively have to be doing something are the most important things that you could do. Yeah, absolutely. So, and so I have one of our professors. Mm-hmm. He um, actually loves to uh, grapple blindfolded or even with your eyes closed. And so it's a really interesting exercise because as fluent as I am in, you know, jujitsu and live rolls and open mats and mm-hmm. in class and all that, the moment I closed my eyes, Right. It was a different world. And he, you know, one of his biggest points is what if you are blindfolded? What if your hair gets flipped over your eye, you know, or is in your face? What mm-hmm. if your shirt is over your head? You know, what is, what are you going to do in these situations? And all of a sudden I didn't know what jujitsu was when I had been training, you know, put together about four and a half years, probably. Mm-hmm. And so it was a huge awakening for me that, we we don't know you know and when any of those circumstances are you know presented how how are we going to function right and and it is it's a lot of it is just overriding the adrenaline Mm -hmm. and so competition is really really good for that like i highly highly recommend that everyone compete at least one time Mm -hmm. Because it gives you that same feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are going to see how you behave in a highly stressful you know, situation right. where the adrenaline, you, you know, they talk about the adrenaline dump. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of competitor are you? That's very, very, the, the same thing that happens to you going into that competition is very, very similar to what's going to happen to you if you are attacked. Um so that, I don't know, it was just a lot of like really, really cool epiphanies that I've had on mm-hmm. the mat and in competition and right. have helped me grow and built my confidence so mm-hmm. much than like so much more than I ever could have ma- imagined. Like, I'm so grateful for what jujitsu has brought to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I want to share it so much. I'm so passionate about it. I just love it so much. Right. I wish I could get everyone on the mat at least one time in their life um, to see what that feels like, because it can just like me when I, you know, was first watching it, like, oh, my gosh, I could never do that. That looks so scary. And I can't do it, you know, but getting on the mat, it's so much different. It's so much fun, too, you know, when you're first starting out. So So, um, kind of touching on something you said earlier. Um, Let me put it this way. So I think that a lot of people, they, they fear the things that they're not familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. And so typically, every, people want to stay within their comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. But to my way of thinking, there is no growth that happens in the comfort zone. All mm-hmm. of that happens outside of that. Yeah. And it's the mistakes that we make. That's the only way that you actually learn anything. You know, if, if, I, if I tell you something that you already know how to do, then you won't make it a mistake and you, you just do it, right? You didn't learn anything. You already knew that. Okay. It's only when you fail at something that you, you understand, okay, I need to do this to change it, to make it do do it correctly. Right. That's true in jujitsu. It's true in business. It's true in anything in life. Right. Yeah. It's the mistakes and it's the challenges that we have in our life that make us who we are. 
and that make us more resilient and more capable of, of succeeding. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and we talked a little bit about, you've had some challenges kind of in your life mm-hmm. that I don't know if you want to kind of go into or. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with that, you know, and, you know, as I said before, I was always that person. I had an excuse for everything and all my excuses were me stunting my own growth, you know, because if you, if, when I made the excuses of like, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough energy. Um, I, you know, most of it was fear. You know, right. and sometimes it is self-doubt. It it truly authentically can be just self-doubt. But the moment, you know, I always say like the moment you can give zero fucks about the way you look, right. you know, because especially going into jujitsu, like we just, and even in business, you, you make mistakes, you look stupid because I mean, you don't know anything, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you have to just not care about that shit. Mm-hmm. You have to not care. Like, I mean, I look wrecked. I sometimes I'll post pictures of me with my hair just like trashed. And I, I sometimes I have to go now that I do have a full time career, I have to go to the gym and I still have makeup on. And so I look like a raccoon after, you know, and sometimes I don't know what I'm doing still, you know, and I look stupid trying to execute a move, mm-hmm. you know, but in the beginning, we do that. I mean, it's just the way it feels a lot, but you have to give zero fucks as to what anyone else might possibly think, because we're all just there to grow and learn. And yeah, you know, we, we do comfort. I mean, everyone's saying it now it's all over the place that it is the biggest killer of, you know, growth and building your dreams and all of that stuff. And so the moment I decided that I was going to say yes to everything, no matter how scary it was, no matter how painful it was. Um, mm-hmm. One of the biggest gifts that I've been given and I had to fight really hard for was my sobriety. And I was really, uh, you know, the pivotal point in all, a lot of this was I had a sponsor that you know I used to think that everything was a big deal. I'd call her and I'd be crying and like, you know, some things were really a big deal and some things they really weren't. And she would say, well, did you die? And I'm like, (laughs) I want to be like, fuck you. You know, I didn't want to answer that question, but the truth is no. And she's like, if it's not going to kill you, fucking do it. Because, you know, you like, I surround myself now with people that I love and trust so much. I'm really good at setting boundaries and anybody that I don't feel benefits my life in some way. I kick them the fuck out of my life, like really fast. I just don't play those games anymore. Right. And because I, you can't grow with those people latched onto you. And, you know, if you're always like doubting their intentions or their motives, mm-hmm. um, then it's not a pure relationship and that needs to be set aside. Right. And so I surround myself with people that I love and trust. And I have agreed that if any one of them suggests something that could help me grow, I say yes. And, you know, don't make the excuses and just go, not just say yes to, because once I make that commitment to say yes, I go for it, like fearlessly and thoroughly as hard as I can. I just like commit and I have grown exponentially because of that, because of just saying yes, instead of, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy. I can't do it. Yes, you fucking can. And so that's the narrative that I play inside my head. Like you can fucking do it. 
And sometimes it gets to a place where I'm like, oh my God, this is too much. And instead of saying that, I'm like, you know what? Bring it. I got this. Like I can do this. Give me more. I can, you know. And so I don't know. It's just like so freaking cool when you can break past that, you know, that place that you are, you're only putting boundaries on yourself and you're, you're limiting yourself and how much you can grow by that thought process. And I never realized how much so until I just started doing the exact opposite Mm -hmm. of what I used to do. Right. That's really incredible. Um, I think that that's an idea or a thought process more people need to adopt. Um, it makes me think of the yes man that they ever see that movie with, uh, uh, what's his name? Jim Carrey. Oh, Uh, I love him. How have I not seen that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's, I can't remember the the whole premise of the movie, but something happens in his life and he's, he's forced to like literally just say yes to everything. And it, and it does, it creates this, this yeah. whole chain of events in his life that ends up being really positive. Right. But it's because he just, no matter what, no matter how ridiculous or scary it is, he just, he mm-hmm. compelled to say yes. So that sounds wow. a lot like what you're doing, but it seems like it's working out really well. How fun. Yes, it has. I know. Yeah. I don't know. And so, so, so often we do, we, we just say no out of fear. You know, the excuses are fear-based. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, another thing too, that you, you pointed out is that uh, you had a mentor that uh, gave you some encouragement. You know, they were saying, you know, we need you to do this or, you know, we believe that you can do it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of times in life where people are capable of so much more than they realize. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all they need. They need yes. just the tiniest bit of encouragement to like help them like to take that step forward, right? Because there's so much fear. There's so much anxiety about whatever it is that they're trying, you know, that they're, they're, so, they're more concerned about failing than the possibility of success. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I've worked with different people. Um, I work for the Department of Corrections and I've, I've talked to lots of different inmates that they've become so ingenious about the things that they're capable of doing with almost nothing. Right. And it's like, if you had applied even this much of that effort to the rest of your life, you would have been extraordinary. You wouldn't be here for one thing, you know? So it's that same idea. It's like people have so much potential and they Mm -hmm. just need somebody to say, yes, you can do this, you know? Yeah. And, and funnel all of that energy into a positive way because yeah you can take two people with the same exact work work ethic and that ingenious like capability to create or dream um you know like those visionaries right you have people that have this gift and you know and i always say everyone is our mentor right even the people that we hate we cannot stand they are our mentors too because there's something that they're doing that we cannot stand a behavior or personality or you know just how they're treating people and those people actually guide us so much as to what we don't want to be mm-hmm. which you know ends up taking us into the direction of who we actually become just as much as somebody who inspires us and shows us the right ways, right? right. So there, everyone is a mentor, whether it's good or bad, they mentor us in, in some kind of way, shape, or form. But if you take these two people with this gift of especially charisma, you know, people that, right, right you know, people that are really charismatic and they have this amazing energy and you, you put them in this, 
you know, with a good mentor that is going to lead them in, you know, the right directions and the positive directions and encourage them and lift them up and boost them. Or, you know, like those people are going to accomplish like so many amazing things, right? right? But you take that same exact person and you give them a mentor that is cunning and evil and hurts, you know, they, it's going to spin them off into, you know, that path as well. So especially at a young age, you know, that's, it's, it's something that happens we see so often. And so I don't know, I have always had that natural gift of, um, charisma, like being able to lead people, you know, talk people into doing something I want them to do, you know, and when I was younger, And, you know, I was very damaged, you know, I knew how to get people, I could lead people in the wrong direction. You know, I used my gift for not so good things, you know, and I was also led in the wrong direction too, on the other side of it. And so when I got sober and I started becoming an amazing person all the time, that was one thing is I was always going to use my gift, my power to now like lead and heal and inspire. And so, you know, the thing with the women's classes too, I love seeing that camaraderie on the mat between women and them supporting each other and lifting each other up and not, you know, not all women especially girls, you know, they go through, I had a lot of problems in high school. As soon as I got pretty and, you know, then like, it was just all competition and, mm-hmm. and the bullying, it's, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And so I always wanted to be like the biggest cheerleader for other women. And I truly try and build them and lift them up and help right. them grow. And because I've had a couple women that were like that with me, and they really changed my idea of the fact that women are like, they can be kind, like they're not all going to be bullies, you know, and I needed to see that to kind of like restore my faith. I had a really hard time having relationships with women. I'm like kind of a guy's girl anyways, and a tomboy. Okay. Um, but I needed that, um, especially in sobriety, you know, because their intentions are pure. So I, I, also kind of didn't like the idea of like women's groups or women's classes for a long time. I didn't like it, but I know that sounds really weird um, because I love the men's classes. Actually, I go to the morning veterans class and I'm like the only woman that woman that trains in there with them. It's right. all a bunch of like old guys with PTSD and they're all vets because we give free jujitsu to veterans um, and first responders. And that 6 a.m. class is free for them all the time, year round. Nice. Um, yeah, it's really cool. And I love them. I love training with the men. Um, they train hard. It's fun. And I can be aggressive and nobody gets angry, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um you know, but I, yeah, I, I understand now, like Mm -hmm. a woman helping a woman that there's never also, uh, like when it's pure and especially in sobriety, we see it that you can help a woman grow more so than a man can sometimes, because we, men will also emotionally sometimes not want to tell you the hard things in order, you know, they don't want to hurt you or your feelings. Whereas women, you know, we can be a little bit harder on each other. It hurts a little worse. And we, you know, that, that pain and that critique when it's done with a lot of love can help you grow more than you ever 
you know, would have otherwise. Right. So I know that you have two daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't know and their the ages, son. but uh, do they are they having those same sort of experiences as they grow up? Like, are they having um, trouble with other girls in school or other thing, you know, situations like that that they have to deal with? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, I see it. And uh, even my little one, she's, I guess, not so little anymore. She is 11. And so in fifth grade, they started a girls group. Um, And so during certain periods of the day, the school counselor would actually try and encourage like a bonding session of a sort because they do, they get drama-y. You know, and the drama, it's just, it's, you know, it's tough for them. And there is a little bit of bullying and some strong personalities. And my daughter is very sensitive, my little one, and she just wants to love everyone. I call her my love child because she's just so loving and happy and kind Mm -hmm. and very, very, very sensitive. Um, But, you know, the other thing, though, too, is my kids go to a charter school. I'm really lucky. I went to public school when I came to Tucson and I swore I would never send my kids to public school because that's where I learned all the bad stuff. You guys, there's a gang. I never knew what a gang was or bullying, um, drugs, violence, teen pregnancy, all of it. I saw it in public school. Um, and so we don't have a lot of that at the school that, you know, so they, they get a softer version of what I got. I think that's probably a good thing. And the reason why I say that is because our education system, it was broken foundationally from the beginning Mm -hmm. as it was, it was designed with a very poor idea in mind at the outset. And then over time, that's just gotten worse and worse because it hasn't kept up with civilization and and the way things are. Right. Uh, But I think that now with the advent of social media, throwing that in on top of everything else that has, and then you have the whole woke movement that's pushing all kinds of agendas on, on our education and on kids. It's just incredible to me that a, that the education system is still up and running and B that more people aren't speaking up and saying, Hey, this needs to change altogether. Mm-hmm. We need to like, you know, redo this whole situation because it's failing on many, many levels and it's actually hurting children now. You know, it isn't just so much that they're not learning because when I was a kid, that was the big thing. It's like, you know, there are kids that aren't learning at the the normal pace or whatever, you know, they're falling behind, you know, that was a big deal. Now they're being inundated with all kinds of things that have to do with sexuality and political agendas and just all these other things mm-hmm. that they should never have to encounter as children. That That shouldn't be any part of their learning process that has nothing to do with education. Agreed. That's all purely whatever, you know, political. Yeah. And so I feel so lucky. Um, yeah. Within our school, we have this really, A, we have a, a, a really advanced curriculum, which um, helps keep the parents really involved. We don't have a school bus system, which I absolutely love and people can complain about it. But again, you know, it's the complaints that I hear, you know, as PTO president, I'm, I, I always say the problems that you are complaining about it, they're gifts. 
Mm-hmm. You don't understand, like not having a bus system. I know we have to pick up and drop off our kids and it can be tough. It keeps the parents really involved. Horrible things happen on school buses. Okay. okay. And, you know, it's just like not somewhere that I, I want my kids and I've, I've seen it. I, I rode the bus, you know, I, I've seen a lot of the stuff, you know, and it's just getting worse. Like you said, um, I, I also agree. I am so, um, and we have this, uh, kind of a problem in the, in the school as well, um, where my kids came home and said that they wanted me to vote at the time for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> And I am my, and she was, I don't know, she was pretty young at that point. And I said, you do? That's interesting. Well, tell me his policies. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know, tell me why, like, what are his policies? Why do you think I should vote for him? And so, um, you know, at first my blood kind of started to boil a little bit. I won't lie, you know, and, but I had to like calm myself down and just say like, okay, we, we really do need to get to the bottom of this. And I think that we should always respect everyone's political opinion, religion. We should always, everyone has free choice, right? Right. Correct. We should, my, my kids should never come home telling me who I should vote for, um, what God I should pray to. Um, and you know, another one was she, she had said that she was non-binary when she was like in second grade. And, and again, you know, you have to control yourself and instead of reacting, I can stay calm and just say, do you know what that means? Right. You know, what is the definition of non-binary? And when they don't even know, then, you know, that becomes another topic of, of conversation too. And it is, it's, it's sexual in nature. And so it's not appropriate for school. And so, you know, we, we have to say it's, those conversations are going to happen, Mm -hmm. but, uh, we have to control the dialogue too from home and also what is allowed in the classrooms and just say, we love you. You know, if, if child really truly is, you know, feels that they are this, like, Mm -hmm never shun them or anything like that, but also let them have that conversation with the parents, Yes, you know? And so it's, it's a complicated world. It really is. But if we all just respect each other and also don't, (laughs) you know, but also don't uh, propose our beliefs on anybody else, it's really easy. It's really simple. You know, it's, it, 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 I don't know. Yeah. So I, I believe that everybody's entitled to their opinion, mm-hmm. but it is your opinion and mm-hmm. you don't get to impose it on other people mm-hmm. purely because it's your opinion. Yeah. So that's where I get really kind of wrapped around the axle with most of the woke stuff is that it's fine that you believe that and that's that's mm-hmm. wonderful for you, but that doesn't mean that the rest of the world has to conform to what you think. Correct. That, that's not how things work, you know? So, um, but I think that it's wonderful that you're apparently having positive conversations with your children and, and helping them to learn ideas and things like that. Um, that's really good. You, you probably handle that better than who would. <laughs> well, you know, it is hard. You know, we do get emotional. There are children yeah. and they're so incredibly, um, you know, their minds are so open right now. Yeah. And what is being poured into it when they get to school, I hope is education, knowledge, facts. And, you know, how are they going to pass that test? You know, 
what are their options for college, you know, afterwards and <laughs> that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's hard when somebody takes away the opportunity for us to have that conversation by having it first and right. when we're not there. So one of my ultimate goals is to form either an actual school and barring that at least like a mentorship program for kids to teach them a lot of things that I feel like they need to learn. So um, not the typical school stuff, that, that that is what it is. And they need to know that too. But things like critical thinking, uh, situational awareness, um, when Common they get sense. to a, to a, what's that? Common sense. <laughs> yes, that. Um, you know, when they get to, to be older, you know, like learning actual finances and things like that. Yeah. Those are things that we're never taught in school and we desperately need to know, right? Um, you know, but, you know, Critical thinking is, is probably the biggest one that I think mm -hmm. people need to learn, kids in particular, but also just like the things that we talked about before, you know, you have to be able to endure hard things to, to prove that you can do it and to understand that you'll be a better person because of it. Absolutely. You know, to really, to, to push those fundamental things and help them become stronger people, more resilient so that the rest of the world isn't so terrifying. And even when bad things happen, they can manage it. Yeah. Did you, you know? die? Yeah, yeah ask that question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I agree with you with the finances. So I have partnered with one of my lenders who teaches, he is one of the best educators. He actually teaches realtors, okay. um, the financial end of it. And so I uh, partnered with him and brought him into the school. And so he teaches a credit class on, it's on credit responsibility. Nice. Um, yes, how to utilize credit, you know, properly, uh, so you're not overusing it and so that you can build, uh, you know, a strong credit score so that you can do stuff like mm -hmm. buy houses and you know, cars and all that fun right. stuff. But also I think for the next one that I do, that will be this year, um, we want to partner also bring in like an investment person because mm -hmm. one of the biggest questions that they had was, what stock should I buy? And right. I was like, wow, because these are juniors and seniors, but they are, they have a hunger and desire to learn all this stuff. Right. They, um, you know, so like while they're ready, like let's teach them, you right. know? And so I think it will be that like the lender teaching about credit um, responsibility mm -hmm. and, uh, and then, you know, investment specialists talking about investments and how to invest their money wisely. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wish that I would have learned that too. I made exactly. some terrible mistakes with my credit. Yeah. Nobody taught me how. Right. And, and and of course, we learned from friends and somebody told me, oh, yeah, you max it out and then you pay it off every month. That's so wrong. You know what I mean? Like to debunk all the the myths that right. we hear from other people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like um, getting them started before that, they hit that 18 year, uh, mark and they're going off to college and um, getting bombarded with all these credit cards that, you know, look great, but mm -hmm. you don't know what you're getting yourself into. You're not looking at percentage rates. You're not looking at what that, that, you know, payment looks like right. in the long run and the, the danger you can get into by over utilizing your credit. And, and yeah, I love your idea though. Yeah. Find my kids up. Yeah. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Um, so were you part of the of uh, real estate where the marketing crash happened? Or no. Or was so that afterwards? I've, yeah. So I've only been licensed for two and a half years. Okay. So you yeah. kind of missed that whole 
mm-hmm. fiasco, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know that much about it. The thing that I do know is that most of the people that were responsible not only did not suffer any repercussions, but they were rewarded for it. And that just drives me nuts. Really? Yeah. For the 2008 crash? Like all yes. So you know, many the, people went to jail. There were a lot of like the, the banks and, and the lenders and the, and the executives and people like that that got lots and lots of money and didn't suffer any consequences whatsoever. Oh. so yeah that, and that's another thing you know what and through it i think they learned and now there's so many more restrictions on yeah. and and now people are complaining because you know they get denied on being able to buy a house and it's like but it's the it's protecting you at right. the end of the day it really is protecting you and it's protecting our nation by having these what they consider extra hoops we need to jump through but they have to be so much more careful about who they qualify right and I mean, that's a big thing too, because you also, you can qualify for a certain amount, but can you afford that payment? I mean, that's the second thing you have to look at, like right. long-term, ideally. But yeah, I've only heard, and I think, you know, we'll always have catastrophes, you yep. know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the next one is or when the next one is, it'll happen, right. you know. I suspect it's going to happen yeah, this year. You know, so it'll be interesting. I don't know if you're much into politics or you pay much attention to that. So I, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. this last year, I had another mentor, my mentor in Toastmasters, and he okay. is a really great agent. And um, his name is Kay Watanabe. And his big thing is don't listen to the noise. Mm-hmm. Don't get scared. Go out there just sell houses and just help people, whoever you can to the maximum potential. And because we hear a lot of negativity and that negativity breeds fear. And, and so I hear a lot of agents that are just so scared and they're complaining about how bad the market is. They also don't want to work. And, you know, while I'm out here doing two open houses a day, sometimes on my five listings, because nobody else wants to do open houses, but I'm building my pipeline so strong by not listening to a lot of that stuff going on because we don't know. Right. And I don't know. I, I, I hear both sides too. So I hear, you know, a lot on the political side and then I hear the other side of people saying it can't happen. We have a housing shortage. It can't crash, you know? So it'll be interesting. I love, Oh, I love the uncertainty (laughs) and the ups and downs of all of this stuff. It's such an adventure. You're like, what is going to happen next year in 2024? We'll see. Because so many predictions that happened were supposed to happen for 2023 didn't happen either. You know, and I'm like, because the crash was supposed to happen last year. Right. And it didn't. So we'll see. Yeah. You tell me, though. I want to hear your I want to hear what you're thinking. So I'm I'm thinking more on the side of like just like the the current administration with Biden, and like I remember yeah, if you if you listened to all of the things that they were saying, um, before Trump got elected, right? They were saying that he's going to weaponize the Department of Justice. You know, he's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to do that. If you literally made that list and looked at exactly what the Biden administration is doing now, they have literally checked off every single one of those boxes that they are doing that he never did. Mm. And there's just so much political things going on right now in other countries. We're at war, we're at proxy wars, that there's all this stuff going on. There's a lot of like 
potential for this election to be just a shit show. Just, you know. Yeah. And it's not so much that I, it's not at all that I want that to happen, right? I'd, I'd really love if we had fair elections, you know, if everything worked the way that it was supposed to. I just think that there are too many things that are broken right now. And it just, it sets a foundation for really awful things to happen. So this year just feels like a year where lots of things can go wrong. We've got all the stuff going on with the, the southern border. You have yeah. tens of thousands of people coming into this country, a huge percentage of which are military age males that are not here seeking asylum. Yeah. You know, and so there's there's potential for a lot of really awful things to happen. Um and I really hope it doesn't, you know. But this always leads back to the idea is like you need to be prepared. Mm. You need to like and that's not a, let all of this just catch you completely by surprise. Absolutely. And awful things will always happen. Right. That is a fact. Um, we never know which ones yeah. most of the time until they happen. And right. that's the scary part is it's so, um, and to tell you the truth, I mean, and this is like just applying it to my martial arts right. ideas is I try every single martial art. I love them so much, you know, judo, wrestling, um, kickboxing, boxing, uh, jujitsu. I wanted to be well-rounded because of that. You know, I have, I know how to use a firearm. I shoot a bow. I like (laughs) hunger games. I am, (laughs) you know, I wanted to, um, experiment. I have lots of knives and throwing knives, daggers. I mean, throwing stars. I have it all like, because of that concept of, I mean, granted, I can't be prepared for every single situation, but I'm going to be prepared for as, as many as I possibly can. Right. You know, and so I think that's in life, you know, so much, we, we just have to prepare as best we can mm-hmm. for as much as we can yeah, and then kind of realize that we can't prepare for all of it at the same time. Right. You know, and so I, I just try not to overthink it mm-hmm. and I try not to overthink life, jujitsu, real estate, you know, and just really love it and enjoy it. And again, just gain all the knowledge I possibly can. So that knowledge is power, 100%, like learning. And, uh, you know, that's, that comes with the preparation. But the only thing that we, the only real way we can prepare is by practice. And there's some things you cannot practice for. That is true. Uh, So. Um, like I said, I think that it's good that people at least keep it in mind and try, mm-hmm. you know, to be thinking ahead of what can happen. Just like going back to the the scenario based training, it's like you you kind of want to put yourself through those situations just so you have at least Absolutely. some kind of mental preparedness for it. I think one of the most wonderful things about jujitsu, and this makes me laugh to think about it, but it's like it's the only place where you can go and choke out people, and at the end of the day, you're still friends. Absolutely. So, oh my gosh. And that is such a funny story because I, so in the Phoenix open, I ended up choking a girl that I love to death Uh unconscious on the mat. And (laughs) it was like the most horrifying experience, probably more so for me than it Uh, was for her because she just, you know, woke up and didn't even realize she was out. Yeah, And I just adore her. Fast forward to worlds, 
And I didn't have my coach with me. I was borrowing a coach for the world championship. I know it's kind of like idea. crazy, but um, there she is. She's on the sideline cheering for me, telling me, throw that triangle, throw that triangle. And right. I had just fucking choked her unconscious. And, and like two months earlier, three months earlier on the mat, but we, you can't, you know, and you know, that's what jujitsu has taught me too. It taught me how to be a good competitor. I used to be the worst fucking competitor. I was so, I, I was a lot like my oldest daughter, actually, yeah. you know, where I was an unfun competitor. And to tell you the truth, I don't really like, I always say I'm not a good team player. I love the solo sports. I love what I put into it is what I get out of it. My failures are my, I have to own that shit and my wins, you know, it's because I ate right. I slept right. I I, I trained right. I showed up every fucking day at 6 a.m. or and sometimes 6 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. You know, it's what I put into it. And, you know, at the end of the day, like when when you do jujitsu, you lose so much. <laughs> you <Yeah>. lose <laughs> 10 times a day. Oh, yeah. Every single day for at least like the first three months, probably until right. a brand new white belt comes in and you can finally fucking get a submission, right? Your right. first submission, like, oh my God, like I worked for months of getting my ass kicked for that thing. It feels so good. And then you're like, oh my God, I want more. But then you still get your ass kicked every single day. You know what I mean? And, and so it, it, it taught me like that that's okay. You know, um, I'm, I don't have to be so hard on myself. Like right. it just becomes so normal to lose. <laughs> it's not that big <laughs> right. of a deal. And then, you know, also as you have new people coming in and you're helping them mm -hmm. when they finally beat you, you're like, wow, you've been training so hard. I'm <laughs> so proud of you. Like right. you just subbed me. Like, I mean, it's the only sport where I, I can, I cheer for the women who kick my ass because you know what? They make me stronger too, because then I'm like, okay, oh, she's never getting me again. You know, right. like I'm going to go learn that like counter to that sub that she just did or the, de right. the defense to that sub because she's never going to get me again. And like, you know, it's, it's fun. Mm -hmm. And so I love that about jujitsu so much is being able to high five the person that just choked you unconscious oh, yeah. or, you know, even, you know, I don't know when I tore my ACL, it was like the best role of the day. He was so upset. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, you know, that I hurt you. A, it was a mistake that I was making and I just kept making it knowing that I, you know, shouldn't be doing it. Huh? I still do it, by the way. I just modified it. but. <laughs> And then, but B, I was like, yo, that was, you were my favorite role of the entire freaking day. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes. I got injured, but we all know what we're doing. It happens sometimes mm -hmm. if you train competitively and for a long time, you know, but with the women, like I never see them get hurt in the women's class. Like you might get a little bit of rash burn on your face or like, right. you know, something that heals really fast, but the way they train, especially if they're non-competitive, mm -hmm. I, I never see any injuries, but right. you know, you know what you're getting in, yourself into if you're training hard and competing. So do you find that with the women, they just don't train? It's not that they don't train, but they don't press as hard. I don't know if press is the right word. Yeah. And so I will say that in the beginning, it's kind of why I steered away from training with women. They would get angry with me sometimes uh, when I was a brand new white belt. I was actually so aggressive. I know. And because all I knew was MMA, you know? Right. And so I, at one point, um, I was actually training 
with uh, the instructor's girlfriend and I picked her up to slam her and they're like, no. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, I'm sorry. Cause she had triangled me and I was going to like pick her up. Like I saw an MMA and just slam her, you know? Yeah. And so I, I didn't even know that jujitsu is like, you're not supposed to do that stuff. So I had to learn how to be like civilized on the mat. And it took a girl saying like, whoa, okay, stop. You're going to hurt somebody or you're going to hurt yourself. Okay. Like you're being crazy, like stop and like slow down and learn the technique instead of just like bulldozing somebody. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was like, mind blown. Oops. It just like all of a sudden jujitsu changed for me. Like, whoa, yeah. there's technique involved. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> yeah um but i i do see them sometimes and 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 that's where it's good to have a class for them because they do sometimes you know hover and especially in the beginning you know they're a little bit scared or sometimes they're maybe a little bit more delicate but within a month i see them toughen up so much mm -hmm. um you know there is one girl and so I really didn't like working with women very much because of this, but there's a new girl that came in. She had really bad PTSD. So, you know, I have PTSD. I could relate and, um, I didn't want her to quit. Mm -hmm. And so she cried every single class and it was like horrifying. <laughs> and, um, uh, but I could not give up on her. Like I just right. saw so much of myself in her, um, when I was really just going through the early stages of PTSD and I just would not give up. So I took every single class with her and she would cry every single class. But by the end of that 30 days, she was not crying and she right. was having fun. And I was like, Oh my God, I was competing at that time. And I started like the first class, actually, she's like, are you going to be at this class so I can go? I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. I'm not going to the early class, which is a lie. It was like, I hate lying, but I needed her to go off on her own. And I told all the other women, like, take care of her for me, but I have to get my reps in. I'm I'm going right. to compete here soon. Like I cannot babysit her anymore as much as I love her. Right. And, um, so she, she did like, Oh, you didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but you did it right. You didn't die. Right. right. There you go. <laughs> you know, and she's like, yeah, I did, you know? And so you get to see that growth, you know? And so I had to, it, it gave me this whole new understanding of women and what they need sometimes. And about like, I was a selfish asshole and I, I don't like that person that comes out when I compete. Honestly, okay. I become a different, I'm very selfish. I get irritated really fucking easily. I mean, obviously too, sometimes we're cutting and like, but right. I just am about me, me, me. And so I, it was a really good awakening for me of like how selfish I was kind of being. Mm -hmm. Um, and it made me just watching her grow and like, she was my baby bird, right. gave me this like passion for bringing women in and then watching them be that like broken baby bird or scared little bird. But by the end of that month, even of them, that first month, if they make it through, some of them don't come back, uh, you know, right. it's not for everyone. But if they do, if we can keep them long enough right. to watch that little baby bird grow its wings. You know what I mean? They become freaking animals. Right. And I love that process. I fucking love being a part of it. Yeah. It is just so special. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, I've rolled with different women. Uh, and, you know, starting being more aggressive because 
I don't think of women. So if, if you and I are rowing, I'm not going to think of you as a woman that I have to, to treat delicately. You're my opponent. We're, we're going to roll, right? If you're at a certain level, you know, if you were a brand new white belt, obviously I'm not going to crush you right. right out of the gate, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but if you're like a belt or two higher than me, you know, it's like, sure, you know, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to do my best to, to win. Right. Um, and I remember this one gal who was at least two, two belts higher than me, you know, like not really got mad at me, but, but kind of was taken aback that I was being as aggressive as I was. It's like, have to be, I know that you can choke me if I don't do something, mm -hmm. you know, I can't just wait. So, um, I don't do it from a place of wanting to hurt anybody or anything like that. I'm just, I'm doing what I think I need to do to win, you know, or to, to not get choked at the very least, yeah. you know? That kind of thing. Um, I love that. And so, you know, in training with mostly predominantly men, mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of women are scared of the big guys. I absolutely love them. So different men roll different. And I think mm -hmm. you really do. You know, you nailed it. Like you have to um, know your partner. You you take all those factors. How big are they? What is their belt ranking? Um, are they competitive or are they not? Are they hobbyists? You know, um, are they petite you know, and right. more delicate or, you know, because some of the guys, they're so big, you know, um, when they're like six feet, you know, 250, of course, you know, they're, they let me work. Right. But they do pressure me. And I love that because I always tell women like that's real life. Like yeah. if you want to learn self-defense, you better be rolling with those big guys right. because they, those guys in our gym will take care of you. A guy in real life, he's going to fucking demolish you, you know? And so if the least you can do is at least train to see what that weight feels like on top of you, like, so, you, you know, you panic a little bit less that like, it's so important. Um, and then there, I, I like the guys that, that smash me and, and, you know, are aggressive. I love when, you know, my favorite is when they'll roll hard, but not finish hard. And so that is one of the most fun. I don't know. It, it, for me, it's so much fun when a man doesn't treat me super delicately, but again, there comes this threshold if they're so big that right. even just laying on me is going to probably, you know, yeah. I, I won't be able to breathe. Yeah. We have to be careful, but our lungs do develop and our, our body develops in a different way by handling that kind of pressure. And we learn to breathe. Our lungs are a muscle, you know what I mean? Yeah. So with being compressed like that, it's important because our lungs get stronger. So mm -hmm. I always believe that there's a lesson and chance for growth with every person that we roll with. And it's whatever you're comfortable with. There's a gentleman in our gym that will not roll with women at all. And so some of the women get really upset. And I'm like, why? We all have a fucking choice. Like, right. I have a choice who I can say no to. And if he, for whatever reason, even if it's like out of respect for his wife, maybe it's, you know, you don't yeah. know what it is about. Maybe he's just afraid that he will hurt you and he would feel terrible. There was a time where I wouldn't roll with juveniles because I was so afraid to hurt one. Right. And now I will because I trust my level of experience mm -hmm. and I trust that I know how to do that safely. Mm -hmm. So if you don't trust yourself or maybe it's not okay with your wife, whatever your reason is, that's okay. We all can say no. And so I truly like, I support him. Right. And I never ask him. I, I don't, you know, I, I know his boundaries and that's right. 
good. Well, it'd be the same thing as if guys got mad because a woman wouldn't roll with any of the men. It's like, that's her prerogative. Exactly. If she's not comfortable or she's not ready, Big. then it is what it is. Exactly. You know? We all have You can't be choice. upset about that. Exactly. I love yeah. that. Yeah. But, you know, again, for self-defense, I always, I try and tell the women, like, the reason, yeah, please roll with the men right. so that you can see what that feels like. And and again, like, there's different guys that will roll in a different way. And so sometimes I'm, sometimes there's this one guy, oh my gosh, he's in our morning class. He's a brand new blue belt. And he's law enforcement. And so he freaking takes me down like I'm a fucking criminal every single But I love it. Like, <laughs> God damn. He takes me down so hard. But it's such good practice right. because like when when I'm in competition and there's like 140, 140 pound woman trying to take me down and be like... You ain't got shit on this law enforcement guy every day. Like that shit hurts, you know. But so it's it all is good for us in some way, shape, or form. And usually, if somebody is making me feel a little scared, I'm like, perfect. Like that. That's good for me because that's where again where we grow. That fear is healthy for us, you know. Instead of running away from those people, I'm like, okay, that guy scares me a little bit. I'm going to pick him. I'm going to roll with him every single time because he gives me an extra hard roll. He takes me down extra hard. Like for me, I need that. I need to learn how to like, okay, yeah, you know, I, I need to be able to match that. Right. For growth. Right. And then again, to tell you the truth, the scariest thing that I ever did in jujitsu was, so I did the open weight and at the Phoenix open, the gi open weight. And I actually play silver, but the two women that were in my division or not a division in the open weight were both super heavyweights. Oh, wow. Now, I will say that none of the big guys have ever come at me like those females who are heavyweights was the worst freaking experience of right. my life. I was like, never again. And so I play silver. Uh-huh. Um, I beat one and then I lost to one. I just got like demolished by that second one, <laughs> like punished, but it was such a good experience. I'm so glad I did it because having somebody come at you like that in competition, it's like more like real life, what that yeah. weight feels like coming at you. Yeah. Um, because even on the mat with the big guys, they're not coming at you, you know, full force, like, like a bowl. Right. Like those ladies. Oh my yeah. God. Again, but though I'm like friends with one of them, I've trained with her before and she's like the nicest person ever, but it was terrifying, like terrifying uh, right. in that match with her. Yeah. And then the second one I saw at Worlds and we're just like hanging out and it was so cool because she's like gigantic compared to me. And in her division, she was like, man, I'm just trying to like not size these women up. And I saw her like fear and I was like, whoa, like blown like she even is a little scary. like how we have to overcome that fear right. just to walk out on that mat to compete like it is a different animal um competition and we can be judgy about other people or, oh they you know but and unless you've done it you don't know what that feels like right mm -hmm. yeah, i can honestly say i have not competed yet uh, it's something i probably will do 
but I haven't, just haven't quite gotten there yet. You'll so. hate it and then love it at the right. same time. <laughs> um, Belt are you? I don't even. Yeah, so I'm still white belt. Oh, cool. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I started training a while ago, but then I got injured and had to stop. And then mm -hmm. I just have gone back to it really intermittently as you know, but it, I need to get back to it like full time and just start doing it again. Yeah, that's so exciting, though. I love the white belt years. Yeah. And honestly, like, I would highly recommend competing at white belt. Okay. Because it is, there's less, I think, and early. That's okay. the other thing. Like, once you hit a certain belt, like, just compete right away because there's no expectations. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You're like, I just got my blue belt or I just yeah. got my purple belt. Like, the, uh, you're not even expected really to win. You know, right. it's just cool that you get out there. And if, if you do win, it's like magical because right. you just got your belt. But there was so many, um, it was so much scarier for me as like, three stripe white belt. I, I was like right about to get my blue belt competing. Mm -hmm. Um, because I felt like, oh my gosh, I've been a white belt for so long. Like if I don't win, I'm gonna look like a total jackass. But then that's like the where you have to come in like giving zero fucks. Right. Because otherwise that that can just prevent it prevented me almost from signing up for a few because I was just so worried about what it was gonna look like to other people if I lost. Right. And I wasn't seeing like what I was going to gain just by doing the experience in the level of growth that I was going to achieve by signing up for my first competition. Like right. you can't see that. It's not something you see until hindsight. So do your daughters do jujitsu? So my oldest has done my self-defense classes okay. um, and we have rolled together, but she just never really uh, wanted to do jujitsu and she had volleyball which was her first love and primary sport. She played club volleyball competitively. And, and then, so, and my little one did, um, she did for a while and then she actually got beat up kind of bad and she wanted to take a break. Okay. And so she hasn't come back yet and I want to give her then. her space about six months. Okay. I know. And so that was crushing for me, um, to watch her not want to come back. So was this something that happened in class or? Yeah. In class? Okay. Yeah. When I say beat up, I'm sorry, like on the mat, not okay, like okay. punched or anything like that, but she, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That sounds so horrible, especially if you don't know like the situation or jujitsu and stuff, mm -hmm. but yeah. Um, so she just, a girl just dominated her and, you know, she, had an anxiety attack on the mat. Didn't didn't get hurt physically, right. but more hurt emotionally. Mm -hmm. And it, it is, it, you know, it's it's hard. It was the one day I didn't volunteer to because I would have stopped it. And and she came off the mat and she was um, like I'm having asthma an asthma attack, and I knew it was anxiety because they can kind of simulate each other. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, take a break. It's okay. You can, you can, and that's the thing I want to reiterate is like not to ever be embarrassed. If you have somebody that's just straight up dominating you and being an asshole, just be like, you know what? No, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, and I've gotten to a place where I feel comfortable saying like, you like, no, you know, um, you're too rough for, and, and I never do it on the mat. I'll actually and sometimes it's on social media, like, uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, like not like a DM or PM. Right. And so, but where you do it in a really like loving way to like, Hey, 
you know, or if somebody comes to me and they're like, man, this person is so rough with me. And I've noticed that they're rough with me too. I will use that and just say, look, your pressure is a little much like, so I will just say that I know that you're not meaning for it to be much, but that like, there was this one guy, he used to just used to flop. And he was a big guy, you know, and he just got excited and he would like flop on you. And one time he flopped on my head and I'm just like, oh my God, you know what I mean? He was very clumsy, you know? And so it was never done like out of meanness, Yeah. but we just had that conversation and, you know, cause I, I don't, you don't have, didn't have his phone number, but I could DM him (laughs) and just do it in a really constructive way. Right. But, you know, at that point, I, if I were on the mat volunteering that day in the kids class, I would have stopped the match and just, you know, had that conversation right. afterwards. But, um, yeah, it, it's really, it's tough. It's tough watching your child get dominated and not being able to do any, you know, you, you want to go out there and save them, but you also don't, you know, again, she didn't get hurt. It was an emotional thing. Right. So it's, it's, um, you know, there's no actual injuries. It's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. Um, you know, being a parent in the sport. So do you have kind of a plan on how you're going to reintroduce her to this? Yes. So in the free kids class, uh, the free kids seminar that we're doing, she's coming to that because I have been trying to get her, we do a free women's class as well. Every Monday nights at 6 30 PM. And I've been trying to get her even to come to the free women's class. And she's like, no, I'm not ready. And so there comes a certain time where I kind of have to say it's time, you know, to at least go back and try it. But I also will, I'm never going to be the parent that will force one of my kids to do something that they don't want to do. So we do still, you know, we have mats at home and we, we still do some stuff at home, but I really want her to come back to class. Sounds like it, it would be at least in my way of thinking, very important that she does Yeah, because it will help push her past that mental block, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, um, and help her understand that she can survive through that. Yes. That that doesn't mean that's the end. You can, you can get back up and keep going. Yeah. Right. And Um, so, you know, where that, that happens mm -hmm. is fun. Yeah. That little piece of fun where I can just go and get her to have a little bit of fun again and with right. her safe, you know, yeah. training partners and friends. Um, you know, that that right there. I think she'll be hooked again and want to do it because right. I yeah, I want to help her get past that fear without you know, making her feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I'm like basically creating this opportunity (laughs) and then kind of like playing the little, like, well, you got to come and support my class, you know? And so she's like, okay. (laughs) So that is like a really interesting, um, yes, kind of like manipulation tactic, but in getting your kids to, um, you know, be okay with certain things. And and I work a lot too. And so a lot of it is about gratitude. You know, I tell my kids constantly, like, thank you. This is my first career, real estate, you know, like I've done hair before, but never really like went anywhere. I always worked for somebody else. I wasn't, you know, in control of, you know, my own schedule and all that stuff. And so this is my first career that I've just like absolutely loved. It's actually like lucrative and can, you know, help me take care of my family. And I'm so passionate about but I work 
a lot, you know, a lot of hours. And so, and even competing, this is another one, another, um, you know, where you have to put a lot of hours into it. It's a lot of energy and it takes away from energy that you can put towards them sometimes. So I just go to them privately and I'm just like, thank you so much for supporting me. Like, I know you're my child, but you support me in achieving my dreams. And I just want to tell you how special that is and how much I love you for it and how grateful I am for you. Right. And, you know, in doing that with the, the class, like, thank you for coming and supporting me and being a part of my class because it's really important to me and, right. you know, stuff like that. It's just yeah. like, then they get to be a part of it and they get to feel like they're special and important part of helping you grow too. Mm -hmm. And it's like a different relationship. I have the best relationship with my kids now um, because of that, just being grateful for them. I think, mm -hmm. you know, I never, I never really got that from my parents. I don't I think it, we just grew up in this uh, generation where they didn't do that. You know what I mean? It's a lot different. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely a lot different. Yeah. But I try and make my kids feel special daily and tell them how much they, they mean to me and my, you know, that, and, and that keeps them like in their heads, like mm -hmm. they can grow forever. Like they're always growing at 45, you know what I mean? I'm still like starting my first career and, you know, competing in a sport that, that most people are like, <laughs> even my therapist was like, do people still compete at 45? And I'm like, okay, fuck you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, but it is, it's, it's true. We get another, you know, it never has to end like our journey of growth and, and like, we only put a limit on our capabilities. And so that what you said right there, say that yeah. again. We only put a limit on a cap so, on our limit. Oh, like, I don't know. What did I say? <laughs> we play. <laughs> so our, our journey in growth, right? Oh yeah. It's like, it not ends. only does it not end, it can't end. The minute that that stops, you stop progressing as a human being. You have to always be working to learn more, to understand more about yourself and about the world around you, yeah. and to be of service to other people, to like pass that knowledge on to other people, mm. try to encourage people, try to help make this place better. Yeah, You know, that's what the world is severely lacking right now mm. on all fronts. And we need more and more of that. We need more people like you. Mm. You know, you, you strike me as just an absolutely wonderful person you know mm -hmm. you're you've definitely very well motivated in all the things that you're doing you know uh, raising two dogs by yourself is probably not the easiest thing you know so i congratulate you uh i think that that's wonderful thank you yeah i say that too the minute we stop growing we start dying yeah and um yeah the minute we stop growing you start dying because i mean it is true but we can grow and grow and grow um, but once we stop exercising that and practicing that, cause growth is like it's effort and it's energy in that direction. And right. so once we cease to have that energy going in that direction, it's just like, it goes like this, you know, right. and, and I don't know, it's what keeps life fun and interesting. And, right. and I think that's what I love about jujitsu and what I love about real estate. And it's like, I, I truly gravitate towards things that ever-changing you know they're always changing they're always different like you know whether it be jujitsu you're you're gosh techniques are always evolving even right. if you thought even if you get to black belt third degree and and you you think you've learned it all there's still like there's these young guys coming in with all this like cool shit that yeah. you're like 
I'm a monk, you know? And, um, you know, there's different, a, a million different ways to do one technique, not mm -hmm. just one. And then, you know, different opponents, you're going to do it differently on you than you. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's always the strategy is always changing and you're right. always learning. And same thing with real estate. No two deals are different. No two clients are different. No two dreams are different, you know? And so it's just that evolution that, mm -hmm. You know, because I, when I was doing hair, it was like the same haircuts, the same chair every single day behind, you know, the same place. I hated that. People ask me, what areas do you service? And I'm like, all over the place. Like yeah. I have five listings and, and like, they couldn't be more far away from each other. I have a buyer looking on Mount Lemon and, you know, it's just like, I just love being everywhere. Right. And yeah, people will say like, oh, you know, I live on the east side or it's, is that far for you? And I'm like, yo, I don't mind. <laughs> I love to drive. Right. And it's all like, you know, relative too, because, you know, through addiction and stuff, I got DUIs and I lost my license once for a year. Wow. Like if you lose your license for a year, you will never, ever, ever complain about driving again when you get it back. Right. <laughs> You're yeah. like, thank God I have my license. You have this whole new appreciation. And that only comes with loss sometimes. Right. And it's unfortunate that we have to lose things to be grateful for them. But it is so true. So I hear people complaining about like traffic. A, I like lived in California. So like drive, I mean... There is no drivers like California drivers, right. you know, so I just have no, no complaints, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's all relative. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. Mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate um, you having me. Yeah. It's been a wonderful conversation. Yeah. It's been fun. And uh, so we'll kind of go from there. Uh, hopefully I'll have you back on at a different time and we'll kind of talk some more and see what kind of new things you've learned since then. Sounds good. I love All it. Right. We got to shoot some guns like next time. Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. There's <laughs> yeah. some cool stuff. Right. All right, then. Well, bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also, you can now support the Non-Victim Nation by donating via listener support directly on Spotify. Remember, the story of your life is being written right now. And you are the hero.